BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Wednesday, December 6th starts now. Today on the show, Ben welcomes back good friend, great writer, and even better commentator, Monroe Anderson. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, you want to vote on Best of Chicago, that starts on December 13th. You might want to head to ChicagoReader.com. You can find out all the information and vote and more. And you want to find Ben Jarofsky there, he's at ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Eight Feet of Gravel <laughs> Wednesday, and here's why. Uh, well, first of all, shout out to everybody who was responsible for an absolutely fantastic first Tuesday yesterday. I uh, had a blast. McDunkey, Maya Dukmasova. It was our quote unquote last show, uh, even though I <laughs> said, no, I reserve the right to bring this show back. Everybody's like, OK, OK, Ben, whatever. You, uh, very and, you and Kiss. Yes, that's right. That's you're like Monroe Anderson. Ways about four people told me you're like Kiss or Muhammad Ali. Never could say goodbye. You know what I'm saying? Oh, one of my favorite songs, the great Michael Jackson from Gary, Indiana. Never can say goodbye. My favorite Jackson Five song. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Kiss, The Who, The Rolling Stones, Michael Jordan, Monroe. I heard every single comparison. Uh, if only I could be like Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, but uh, it was a great time and a lot of a very spirited discussion uh, at, at during the question and answer about uh, Brandon Johnson, Mayor Johnson's approach uh, to the Brighton Park uh, migrant site where they're building Tent City. And there was a man who made a ringing defense of Brandon Johnson. And so, uh, Monroe, I'm going to open up with this and then get your thoughts on, the, on it before we move on uh, to the other news of the day, which includes, by the way, all you baby boomers out there, Monroe and I are going to go down memory lane, okay? We're going to do a little nostalgia at the end of the show. The great Norman Lear died at age 101. Norman Lear was even older than me and Monroe, if such a thing is possible. Uh, and he died, and so we're going to do some baby boomer nostalgia about his shows, but that'll be at the end of the uh, segment. Uh, but uh, anyway, I want to give a shout-out uh, to a guest who was there last night. It gave a ringing defense a ringing defense of, uh, of Mayor Johnson and uh, sort of tr- chastise uh, critics like uh, yours truly. So, Tosh, shout out to you. And I said I'd bring him on the show because uh, uh, he um, did a great job, I think. Uh, well, I don't know if he did a great job, but he he stood his ground. Uh, let's put it that way. So his defense was uh, this is classic Chicago defense. So let me just back up. Uh, so uh, Brandon Johnson... Uh, 
his solution to the uh, migrants who are sleeping, who need housing, are sleeping on police stations, sleeping in the floor plane of the airport, uh, is to build a tent city. Okay, I've had my issues with uh, that "quote unquote" solution to uh, the non-existent problem, but okay, put that aside. So that was his solution. He announced it, by the way, uh, soon after he was at the promontory with me and Maya first Tuesday show. He told us at that show, "I have a solution." Uh, and then about a week later, he unveiled Ten City. All right, so I don't believe that's an adequate solution. I believe the city of Chicago, which has a reputation for a city that's very industrious and does a lot of building and has a lot of developers, uh, should be able to handle housing for I don't even know how many it is. Uh, they totally exaggerate the number all the time. Uh, uh, migrants, plus all the other homeless people who need housing in Chicago. Yes, I do believe the city of Chicago, acting in concert with Governor Pritzker, and President Biden can handle that. Be that as it may, the powers of be in City Hall see things differently than I do, and they think the adequate solution for the time is a tenth city. And they chose as their site a big chunk of vacant land that uh, what used to be a, like a smelt factory or something in Brighton Park. Uh, and their own report showed, their own report showed that uh, the land was laced with toxins, uh, including mercury, and to which I said, man, don't build a tenth city there. Uh, to which Tosh, uh, defending uh, Brandon Johnson, basically called me a wuss and said, Ben, you realize that the city of Chicago, land everywhere is soaked with poison? Man it up, all right? <laughs> that is such a classic Chicago response. Stop being a wuss, all right? A little poison and lead never hurt anyone? Okay, eat that lead paint, man. Put a little mustard on it. It tastes delicious. I'm just saying, Chicago. But I'm tough. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> Mercury. <laughs> I mean, the Bears aren't even tough as, as uh, like, Brandon Johnson supporters. Ah, a little toxin's okay for you. I don't know. Anyway, Monroe was telling me before we went on the air that he saw some commentator on some news channel. This, I forget, Channel 5, Channel 9. Yeah, but, a professor. A professor. Yeah, I can't remember. I think she was from UIC, but I'm not sure. Okay, some professor in Marianne. That's a total reference to a Baby Booner show, which no one gets some professor said well you know uh if there's mercury in the um, in the in the land uh you wouldn't want a kid eating it because that would kill the kid so you wouldn't want the kid eating the land. but if you put eight feet of gravel no that's way not no, no, you, that's not what she said what did she say monroe i've got a, a wclf on you <laughs> Put eight feet of gravel on it. It's not so bad. You put a little salt and a little eight feet of gravel. She she said, said most of the soil had been removed. Yeah, okay. They they had removed it. Uh There remained chemicals. I see some chemicals. Okay, yeah. Okay. But with the six inches. Oh, it's six inches, not eight feet? I apologize, man. I always get everything mixed up. It's only six inches they put. Exactly. Six inches, not eight feet. That's terrible. Come on, six inches? Oh, Lord. Go ahead, Monroe. Here's this explanation. All right, here we go. With that it should sufficiently protect the migrants. Okay, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. For a temporary residence. Uh Temporary? Yeah. Wait, why is it just temporary? If it's like six inches is good enough, it should be permanent. I, I should Google her. Uh, you know what? Let's leave the poor professor out of it. Ask her about that part. I, 
I don't know, man. On TV, so they didn't ask the hard questions. <laughs> they go into detail. They just they just used that and moved on. That's hilarious. I had it wrong. I had it eight feet. Now it's six inches. That's okay, Chicago. A little six inches of gravel. You'll be fine. You can eat that land. It won't kill you. It's just a little mercury. Come on, Chicago. Man, when did Chicago become so wimpy, Monroe? They let a little mercury scare them off, all right? And then uh, J.B. Pritzker had to come to the rescue. <laughs> I mean, I can't uh, words out, man. <laughs> Michael, uh, uh, Brandon has his job. Pritzker's real trying to get to what he wants. President of the United yeah, States. Exactly. Uh, if you saw Gavin Newsom in the debate with uh, Ron DeSantis last week, he'd say, mm-hmm, it's going to be tough, JB. Because right. Newsom did okay in that debate. I actually watched the thing. I don't know if you Yeah, watched, I watched. I got tired of the stupid shit. It, it was made for TV. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, it, exactly. No, and, and DeSantis is such an idiot. So it wasn't a fair fight. <laughs> I guarantee you right now, if DeSantis runs against Newsom, Pritzker, Biden, or you, Monroe Anderson, he's getting 45% of the vote. Guaranteed. Doesn't matter how stupid he is. Doesn't matter if he does. That's where our country is right now, Monroe. Yeah, no, because we got 40% of the the country now uh, thinks that um, fascism is okay. Oh my God. All right. we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. I'm just going to push back my official position. The official position of the Ben Jarofsky show, which is me, <laughs> not necessarily my guests, because I don't know what Monroe's position is, is, is that six inches of gravel is not enough. Okay. And I don't know. Maybe we should remediate the land before we start putting housing there. I don't know. I know. I'm a liberal. I'm from Evanston. We're soft in Evanston. You know what I'm saying? We're not tough like you guys in Chicago. I, I eat gravel. <laughs> but six inches? Only Evanston. Oh, you're from Elgin. Do you think in Elgin they would let the build housing with like six inches of gravel? I'm sorry, man. Go ahead, Monroe. You're tougher than I am. Do you think six inches is enough protection? Would you want more than six inches if you were going to live there? Go. No, I wouldn't, but it's good enough for immigrants. <laughs> That's good enough, bro? Immigrants. That's oh, my God. It's just a bunch of immigrants. Who cares? That's that's Monroe being ironic and facetious, ladies and gentlemen. He is not serious, all right? Yeah, that's not, satire. Not I'm, I'm saying that's could be the thinking. I don't know for sure. But I suspect uh, that that's uh, thinking. Is that it's just a bunch of immigrants. We, they're, that, they're happy to be here. So a little mercury is, is, is a vast improvement for where they came. All right. That's uh, Monroe Jonathan Swift Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. That is satire. All right. Yeah. Uh, and don't send us your letters of Let's anger. Babies. <laughs> That's what did you say? Let's eat the babies. Yes, let's eat the babies. Right, correct, Jonathan Swift. Um, all right, before we move on to national news, the update in Ed Burke world. Uh, one of the sleaziest people that the city of Chicago has ever elected to office uh, before, in my humble opinion, uh, and was chair of the finance committee uh, for many years under Rahm and Daly. Heck of a job, Rahm and Daly, on that one. Uh, his trial plowed ahead. And I would take in a deep dive this Friday with Adolfo Mondragon. I cannot wait for that. Um, but today's uh, sometimes uh, carries a story, John Seidel and uh, Maria Wolfel, uh, about the trial 
And this one is a piece of work, Monroe. This just you go. You're gonna have to smile. At this your old friend Ed Burke. Ed Burke hated Monroe Anderson, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, Monroe uh, was an outspoken black man, and that did not sit well with Ed Burke. Um, all right, so here we go. Uh, they're talking about testimony uh, from a, the owner of the Burger King. All right, so we've already talked about how uh, in previous shows, uh, Ed Burke was uh, shaking down uh, the owner, allegedly, excuse me, Ed Burke, uh, allegedly shaking down the owner of the old post office, a developer, uh, and uh, how Ed Burke was shaking down, I mean, allegedly, sorry, Ed Burke, uh, shaking down uh, the heads of the um, Field Museum. So today they're talking about the burger. We, we uh, Back in the day, Dr. D, when he was producing the show, had a field day with Ed Burke shaking down the, the Burger King operator. Uh, and uh, so they brought uh, him on. Uh, Danani is his name, and he testified. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, only in Chicago. This is only in a city that would think six inches of gravel is adequate to protect somebody from mercury poison. Um, so here is uh, about the exchange that took place. Uh, Danani was seeking city permits uh, to uh, renovate his restaurant. You would think that the city would be bending over backward and eager. Monroe to facilitate a business owner who wants to improve his property. Okay. But um, here's Burke's response uh, to Danani when they met. Uh, and um, Burke said, uh, Good. And um, we were going to talk about the real estate tax representation, and you were going to have somebody get in touch with me so you could expedite your permits. <laughs> Okay, the real estate tax representation is, of course, reference to the fact that Ed Burke, while city council uh, finance chair, while the number two man to Rahm Emanuel Mayor uh, Richard Daly, who thought thought he was the best candidate, best suited to lead the city council. Heck of a job. One more time, Daly and uh, Emanuel. While he had that stature, he was running a property tax business. Oh, my God. And uh, he so if you want that permit, essentially, I'm going to translate this. You want that permit? You better hire my company. So I don't know. It looks to me like a slam dunk for the prosecution that Burke is uh, shaking him down. Monroe, I'll bring you on. Do you think uh, it is a slam dunk for the prosecution or do you think uh, like the six inches of gravel uh, to protect people from mercury? It's just Chicago, man. Get serious. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Uh, that was rumored. Uh, not the six inches, but but Burke been double dipping was rumored back when I was press secretary. So it, it goes way back. What's, what has happened is they, he finally got caught after all that time. He's um he's done quite well for himself up, up until now. I uh, I but, think that's. It, do you think was, that's a shakedown? Do you think what I just said to you is is a classic shakedown? What uh, Burke said, I'll read it to you again. So he's talking to the guy. Guy wants needs permits to renovate his restaurant. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the real estate tax representation, and you are going to have somebody get in touch with me so we can expedite your permits. Expedite your permits. Real estate tax representation in the same word. In the same sentence, excuse me. Well, well, you know, in some neighborhoods, it would be, oh, what what a, a fine plate glass window you have on your store. It would be a shame if it got broken. Uh, that is correct. <laughs> That's how they would do it in some neighborhoods. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's very considerate. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a nice, a lovely knee you have there. It would be awful <laughs> if someone were to break that knee. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, Monroe, that's hilarious, man. That is not how they do things in Evanston or Gary, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying some neighborhoods, all right? They don't do it in Gary because all the people with businesses ran to Merrillville. Okay, <laughs> people. <laughs> they said a black mayor. We're getting the hell out of here. That is unbelievable. It's so true, too. Richard Hatcher was his name. Look it up, ladies and gentlemen. It happened in about 1967. Uh, Richard Hatcher was elected mayor of the city, Gary. You know, and, and, and oh, you're right, Monroe. And then, then all the white people are like, that's it. It's all over. We're out of here. Right. Uh, God, what a world. Anyway, uh, yeah. I, uh, and then the guy, here's the, uh, I should have, I, <laughs> the man's response was hilarious, by the way, Danani, before I move on. And I got to give the Sun-Times credit. They made it their headline. After Burke said the thing, we're going to have somebody get in touch. You're going to have somebody get in touch with me so we can expedite your permits. Uh, Danani paused, and eventually he said, quote, I'm sorry, Mr. Burke. What was that last part? <laughs> yeah, the shakedown part. The broken window part. What was that again? Heck of a job, Chicago, with Ed Burke. Really should be proud of that guy. Uh, what a city. Ed Burke and six inches of gravel. All right, Monroe. Uh, let's okay. move on. Well, it, it's sort of like Mike Johnson um, <laughs> d- defending Trump. What was his defense of Trump? It was something so ridiculous. I I can't remember. You talking about Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House? Yeah, the Speaker of the House. Uh, yeah, I forget what he said. It was absolutely ridiculous. I know it, it was very ridiculous. I'm trying to actually now. I'm I've blanked on it because it it was so. Let me think. Let me think about it. Come all right. Well, we, we'll get to this. I, uh, I missed it. It was so stupid. Uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, two things to talk about today uh, from the world of MAGA. Uh, one is that Kevin McCarthy announced he's leaving Congress. He's not going to run for re-election. The former Speaker of the House. Uh, he, I, I had a feeling this was coming, uh, Monroe. Uh, and then the other one is that Donald Trump telling Sean Hannity he wouldn't be a dictator except for day one. Man, Donald Trump is just rubbing it in our faces, ladies and gentlemen. Monroe, let's deal with Donnie Trump first uh, and rubbing it. By the way, going back to the Burke trial, you'll get a kick out of this, Monroe. I know you don't follow as obsessively as I do. So, of course, at the aforementioned uh, Ed Burke property tax appeal business, for years, one of his clients that he bragged about was Donnie Trump. He represented Trump and Trump Tower, got Trump Tower, got the uh, the people at the Cook County's assessor's office and their infinite uh, non-wisdom to lower the assessment, therefore raising taxes on Monroe and me. Thanks a, thanks a lot for nothing, Cook County assessor. Uh, and uh, he was very proud of that, Ed Burke. But now that he's on trial, uh, he uh, has, his lawyers have argued that it would be unfair to mention that prejudicial against Ed Burke to mention that he represented Donnie Trump for all those years. And so uh, the prosecutor bending over backwards, Monroe, bending over backwards for this guy, like they bend over backwards for Trump. Um, right. Could you imagine them bending over backwards for a guy in the West Side in yeah, a trial? Right. I, I, I can't even imagine them bending over backwards for me. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't bending over. Are you kidding? Fans going after Monroe Anderson? Oh, we got him, finally. Uh, they're saying they're not even going to mention Donald Trump to the jury. Not even going to mention Donald Trump to the jury. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's the connection between Burke and Trump. All right. Donald Trump says he won't be a dictator except for day one, and he did it with a laugh. 
And this is classic Donald Trump where he makes a joke out of something that's serious. And uh, and then when uh, liberals get outraged, uh, he goes, I was just joking. What? I was just joking. Can't you get a joke? Uh, meanwhile, he's letting everyone know what exactly he's up to. So how serious do you take uh, Trump's uh, threats that he won't be a dictator except for day one? Uh, on, a, on a scale of one to 100, 100. He's serious. He's serious. He's he's serious. He he's 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 a mob boss. Yeah. So he's he says what he's gonna do, but then um, tries to disguise it as a joke. When people go what? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Actually, and and Mike Johnson fits into this. I remember what it was. Well, go ahead. He's going to blur. You know, he has all this January 6th footage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he hasn't released it yet because he's blurring the faces of the people in the the um, riot, the takeover. He's blurring them so because um, he doesn't want anybody to see them and hurt them. They could get hurt by somebody who was upset about it. So he's protecting them, he says. But... In, in reality, it's accessory to the crime. We know that Trump and these these people, many of them who are serving time now <laughs> in jail, uh, that they 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 were in fact out there rioting, and he's trying to hide the identities of some of these people by blurring the faces, because the FBI has been using these videos, mm -hmm. airing them so, so that if, if that's your, your next door neighbor who is out there doing it and you're looking at the film, you go, oh, I didn't realize next door neighbor was in D.C. <laughs> on January 6th. Wow. He's yeah. breaking the window to go into the Capitol. I think I better call the FBI. But yeah. if it blurred your, your neighbor's face, then you wouldn't know it was your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a it's called that's uh, protecting the neighbor. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Monroe, we had this conversation, and I can't remember your answer. Uh, but speaking of bending over backwards, yeah, I always felt uh, to a certain degree, and feel free to vehemently disagree with me if you will, uh, that everybody bent over backwards to sort of coddle the um the insurrectionists. Now, in the last few months, yes, many, obviously many of them have been prosecuted, many of them have been sentenced to jail. It is true. Of course, it was an insurrection. It was a riot at the Congress. It was threats to kill the vice president and bring, uh, exercise a coup. It was all of those things. But if you recall, Monroe, on January 6th, they were ushered out of the Capitol. There were no mass arrests. And, right. um, Right. And I recall having many conversations in the aftermath um, with guests on this show who said that uh, if they were black people, right. they wouldn't have been ushered out. They would have been roughed up and arrested. Right. And so the question I have. Maybe shot. Maybe shot. So the question I have is when people say that, do they want 
the white insurrectionists to be treated the way black insurrectionists are treated, or do they want the black insurrectionists to be treated the way white people are treated? In other words, do they want the white people roughed up too, or do they want the black people treated uh, with kid gloves? It decides. It, it depends on which side of the coin you're on. <laughs> if if you're MAGA, then you want the black people to be roughed up, and the white people to be treated like patriots. If you're black, you're going, what the? <laughs> how, how, how are these, this not happening to these, these people when I know what would happen to me and mine? So it's, if you're, from the, if you're black, you're not necessarily saying, I want the white people roughed up. You're just pointing out that uh, there is a difference in how they're treated. It depends on your politics. You might want to see the white people roughed up. Just uh, uh, the same reason that a lot of black Americans cheered when OJ got off. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, at last uh, somebody gets away with something instead of being innocent and being charged. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if I ever asked you this. Did you cheer when OJ got off? No, 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 no. I I was interviewed. I I remember this very well. I was in a in the conference room in, in a meeting, and I got the call from Indigo, the newspaper, the black newspaper, and they, they wanted my opinion. And I said to the reporter, "He got away with murder," and they gasped. When I said that, why'd they gasp? He did. <laughs> Remember, the black position was was just the opposite of that. It was that he he was innocent. Well, okay. So, do you really think, in your humble opinion, I know that was the expressed opinion. I don't even know if anybody would link the word innocent in any way to O.J. Simpson. It just in any. Just think about how. Cynical a man O.J. Simpson is. I would never link the word innocent to him. But do you think, I understand uh, that a lot of people in this country back then wanted him to be acquitted. I understand that. But that's different than saying he was innocent, that he didn't do it. Do you follow what I mean? So when the Indigo person gasped, do you think that interviewer actually thought that there was somebody else who murdered the two people. You follow me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or they just gasped me like, I cannot believe Monroe is saying the obvious. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I didn't know the reporter. who okay. So I can't, can't judge that. But earlier, before the actual um, ruling came down, I was at a party at my next door neighbor's house, backyard party. And there was this black woman there, middle, middle, middle aged black woman. And she was defending OJ. Okay. And so what I did, I, I, I said, well, you, you do realize that if there was a, a white woman standing behind you, OJ would knock you down to get to her. And she, that didn't bother her. Then I said to her, I said, well, what if instead of it being Nicole, was that her name? 
Yeah. His wife. What if, if, if instead of it being Nicole, that was your daughter? That her whole term, uh, uh, her whole tone and body language just changed immediately. <laughs> and it'd be that MF. You know, she didn't say this, but this is what her body language said. Yeah, I wrote that MF dead. <laughs> she said that to you. No, it was a body oh, language. Body language, got it, got it. Got it. Yeah, you're out. She, you're huffed out. Up, she huffed up, and she was like, "Well, <laughs> yeah." See, I, I, I have a hard time believing that there was any person in America uh, who, if, if you just said, "Please, just be honest," we're not going to quote you. You're not going to have to take a public position on this. It's just me talking to you. Would actually say and believe that O.J. Simpson didn't do those murders. I don't. I don't believe Johnny Cochran. Well, Johnny Cochran knew. No, you know the law. Johnny Cochran. I'm talking about just like many of the MAGA white people believe that Trump is innocent, that he's being all the stuff that he's he should be the president, etc. There was there there was this whole group think among black folks that. Okay, well, they, they're trying to get another black man. Yeah. And he got, you know, um, the whole glove fitting was um, the the excuse, the rationale from their perspective. Yeah. You know, when, when Johnny said, if, if, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Yeah. And OJ put on the glove and was struggling. Yeah, he <laughs> Bad acting job. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, oh, this, this doesn't fit. It's too little. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a moment. What a moment. Uh, and I just say this uh, to all my MAGA friends out there. Remember how, and most of you are old enough, remember how outraged you were when OJ was acquitted and how you said, how it's so obvious to me and everyone. Remember how outraged you were? Yeah. Where's that outrage now with Donnie Trump? You know, he tried to bring, he tried to exercise a coup. You know it. Stop acting like he didn't do that. You know it. So you hear me Monroe? Yeah, no, they did. Uh, they don't a lot of them. I, I, there was a reporter on. No. Um, I think it was Cheney who said that um, she had traveled around and talking to people and uh, Republicans. Yeah. And they honestly believe that he won the election. And um, that's because they only watch Fox, uh, ONN, uh, all these right wing um, outlets. And the only news they're getting is is um, what 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 Fox and people are reporting, and they don't sh- they they hadn't even seen the violence yeah. at the Capitol, so they thought it was like a friendly crowd, yeah. or they thought it was um, yeah that's Antifa. true yeah Ant- Antifa pretending to yeah. be. MAGA people. Well, that's true. You got Fox uh, propagandizing, and so folks just yeah, and, and other right wing, yeah. yeah, Newsmax. I mean, all, all the right wing um, operations have, uh, have been reporting something altogether different. Yeah. 
Well, we'll be following this one, uh, the Donald Trump uh, fascist position uh, as the year unfolds and see uh, as America slowly turns its attention to uh, the election. And Monroe and I are old enough to realize that uh, we are in the minority in terms of our obsession and interest. Anybody who listens to this show is in the minority. Most Americans are just going through life uh, just happy as a lark. Just a little clueless about they're not really following things, Monroe. Uh, but as the year unfolds, and Donnie is the Republican uh, candidate, and I assume he will be, uh, we'll see if like his threats of dictatorship, his threats of revenge, his threats of uh, firing, mass firing the, the members of the quote-unquote quote deep state, will that uh, be alarming to the vast majorities of Americans? Um, well, the vast majority, Trump's, he's, this is what we have to keep in mind. As, as as we're doing all this hand wringing and whatever, that Trump's ceiling is forty two percent. He's he's never gotten more than that in the vote, so uh, so he's not going to win anything. People who didn't vote for Trump or who left Trump, they're not going to come back with all this going on. And so if he's at 42 before all this, you know, they're not going to round up a, a bunch of folks to vote for him. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of one person uh, who has uh, left the uh, the Trump camp, Liz Cheney, yes. is uh, doubling down, tripling down. And if you recall, Liz Cheney acknowledges that she voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and in 2020. Right. Yeah. No, she's a Republican. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's already, you know, and that's what I mean. Although hey, the same, the same with Pence, and uh, you know, these these people have done the right thing for America, but they are Republicans. So they did one right thing, but then they 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 they, they have and they will do a lot of wrong things in the future. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you, Monroe. That is so true. Uh, but it is a pretty significant right thing that they have done or correct thing they've done. I got to give a shout out to them. I mean, I'm no. Oh, yeah, right. No. You know, Liz, I, yeah. Liz, Liz Cheney is what made the January 6th committee mm -hmm. as excellent as it was because she knew where the potholes were. She could talk to people. She had a different perspective from the liberals and the the moderate people. And she brought that to it and, and basically helped guide them. On, okay, well, you got to do this. You got to check this out. Uh, one of the reasons that, um, kind of blanking on her name, the 25-year-old woman that, that gave up medals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason she, she did was because of Liz Cheney. Yeah. Liz Cheney was her heroine. And so she talked to Liz and Liz says, you got to be American. Can I go, go for this okie doke? They're using well, here, here, here's the thing I, I, I don't understand. Uh, and then I'll get your thoughts on it. I do not understand why Liz Cheney just doesn't state right now. I'm voting for Joe Biden. Mitt Romney did it. He goes, if it's Trump versus Biden, I'm voting for Biden. No, she said that. I thought she said she's still toying with the third party run. She still no, she hasn't. No, no, she's she out of that. 
Yeah. During the, Are you sure about that? I heard her say it. She's on this book tour. Yeah. And on one of the MSNBC interviews, I can't remember which one now because there were several. There have been, yeah. she, she's been on at least two or three so far. She said that um, she, she was going to do everything within her power to make sure that Donald Trump was not president. And she was asked, well, would you vote for him? And she said, I will. Yes, I will do everything within my power. Wait, would you vote for Biden? You mean, would you vote for Biden? Yeah, Yeah. right. Would you vote for Biden? Yeah. Yes, I will do everything, anything in my power to make sure Trump. Okay, so it's a a conditional thing. But in other words, she's still toying with running as a third party candidate, which means she wouldn't vote for Biden. Oh, she's not toying with that. She said she wouldn't do that because it would help put Trump in. Are you sure that? I heard a You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna back out of her out of her mouth to God's ears. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, Mitt Romney came right out and said, um, "If it's Biden, Trump, I'm voting for Biden." And I don't understand why more Republicans don't say it. Joe Biden is such a centrist. Uh, yeah. He he's, um, I mean, and Joe Biden is not a fascist. So if he gets elected, Republicans have a chance of 2028. Donnie Trump gets in. And he's closing down democracy. He said he's going right. to do it. Exactly. No, that's what Liz's position is. Yeah. And um, and I mean, she's she's all over the place saying that. Yeah. So I don't I don't even see. Listen, guys, I'm old enough to remember, and so is Monroe. Here's a history lesson: 1972, George McGovern was running as a Democrat, uh, and so many Chicago Democrats were outraged at how George McGovern. Uh, and his allies treated Mayor Richard J. Daley at the convention that they openly uh, pledged their support for Richard Nixon. I'm not making this up. Look it up, young people. You can look it up. And uh, openly uh, proclaim their support for uh, Richard Nixon. Well, now, the, the, right, the, right, the, the, the white Democrats in Chicago were um, iffy to begin with. They were only Democrats because... They were Democrats. Democrats. Yeah, but they were only Democrats because they were Democrats. You're right. I'm just saying, Monroe, the fact of the matter is uh, Democrats, when they're they'll bolt from their party faster than Republicans. will. that's all I'm saying. You know, like it's taken us. It's taken uh, uh, Mitt Romney this long to come right out and say about for for Joe Biden. um, I I just don't see why uh, it's not across the board. I can't see anything that Joe Biden done that is so offensive to Republican sensibilities uh, that they would vote for Donald Trump again, unless you're MAGA, in which case, you know, you love fascism. That's your guy. So um, you're going to vote for him. Uh, All right. uh, Let's uh, move away uh, from politics and close with a little uh, cultural conversation of sorts. Uh, the great Norman Lear died, I think it was yesterday, maybe today. It was announced today. Uh, he was 101. Yeah. What's that? This morning? Okay. I think it was this morning, or at least it was announced this morning. 101 years old. Uh, he lived longer than Henry Kissinger. That's good to know. Yeah. Uh, and um, Norman Lear, when Monroe and I were kids, or actually, uh, yeah, teenagers, what have you, uh, was the, uh, the champion per TV producer uh, in the country with one hit after another uh, that dominated the landscape. And uh, I used to watch all of his TV shows. 
great Norman uh, Norman Lear and the classic uh, Hollywood liberal supported all democratic causes, capital D, uh, to the day he died. So uh, rest in peace, uh, Norman Lear. Uh, here are the shows that he's most known for. Uh, and I'm going to ask uh, the great Monroe Anderson uh, to weigh in as to which one was his favorite. Here we go. All in the Family, Maud, Sanford and Son, One Day at a Time, The Jeffersons, and Good Times. Monroe Anderson, the floor is yours. <laughs> the first three in that order, I never watched One Day at a Time at all. And 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 then it's um, the Jeffersons. And you're not a fan of Good Times. No, Good Times I had watched and it was okay, but I couldn't stand JJ. <laughs> Why could you stand JJ? Jimmy was such a buffoon. Yeah. You no, know, and, and and not in a funny way to me, you know. And and dynamite. Uh, worked for me for about two episodes. Okay. I was done with that. And so, uh, so I mean, I didn't dislike it, but um, it was a must-see TV for me. Yeah. And, and, and as a matter of fact, with all those shows, it was back uh, when um, much of it, I was single. And so I was outdating, not watching TV. I only start. I would start seriously watching TV when I uh, when I became a family man and had to be at home. You you know what's funny? We should say that there's not much age difference uh, between uh, Monroe and me, as we always point out. But the age difference that exists is significant when you're younger. So everybody knows this. Like right. when you're 20, if it's a big difference between being 20 and let's say 16. Right. Uh, okay. And right. so when you're 70, 70, yeah. 66, yeah. no one cares. You know what I mean? It's like right. you're all in the same boat and it's sinking. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so really the age difference between me and Monroe doesn't matter at all. But you're absolutely correct, Monroe. Like when uh, All in the Family came out in 1971, you were a swinging single uh, on uh, in Chicago. In D.C. Actually, I was in D.C. I was a national observer at that time. Didn't you move back to Chicago though? Or move to Chicago? Yeah, seventy-two. I moved here to work for Ebony. Where'd you live? Didn't, I'm trying to picture where you lived in seventy-two. When I first moved here. Yes. Uh, Prairie Shores. Yes, I knew you were Prairie Shores, man. Yeah. That's where. That's like where all the hip, cool people live back in the day. Yeah, I was, uh, and, and John Johnson owned a part of it, so I, 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 I they had a waiting list to move in back then. Yeah. And and so I, I only had to commute for Gary for three months, and I was in. Uh, so anyway, so you were here uh, as a young man when uh, All in the Family uh, was, uh, you know, at its peak. But you're right. You were out, out having fun, partying, running right. around, racing around, being Monroe Anderson. Yeah. Right. And I was uh, hanging at home watching All in the Family with my mom. Because <laughs> right. she had a tough curfew, Monroe. Uh, my mother wasn't playing, so... I said, I'd hell with it. They would just stay home on uh, Fridays and Saturdays and we'll watch TV. Uh, cup show. I love Cup show. But uh, I, I usually was in in time to see Cup show. I didn't watch it every time, but I, I was really impressed. With it. I saw Malcolm X for the first time on Cup show. Isn't that wild? I saw Jesse Jackson for the yeah. first time on, on Cup show. So, you know what? 
And, and Malcolm X, in his uh, autobiography, uh, gives a shout-out to Cup as being one of the uh, few journalists, uh, white journalists in the country who is, like, fair and open-minded to him. Yeah. And, and I always wondered, and I have no proof of this at all, uh, so I don't know if you've uh, followed... Um, I know you have because you're obsessed with the same stuff I am by and large. But the the, the revisionist history about Alex Haley's uh, role in writing the Malcolm X by, uh, autobiography after Malcolm X had died, you know, he after he was murdered. Yeah. Alex Haley put stuff in there were Alex Haleyisms. Often, there's like shout outs to uh, Cup and uh, Mike Wallace in that autobiography. And I often wondered, like, did Malcolm X say that or did Alex Haley? insert that in order to i don't know get good coverage from those guys you never know i get it. I'm, maybe yeah, I'm well, part, yeah part 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 of the story is that he made up a lot of it alex haley yeah 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 you know and i saw like this is for my age range i saw alex haley at indiana university back in 69 uh, talking talking about the book, you know, I had to do doing a lecture about the book back then, and um, you know, he 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 talked about it very personally, but he was taking credit for a lot of stuff. But Al, Al, Alex Haley was my man because he invented the Playboy interview. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know the Q and A. Yeah, yeah, no, he did so many of those. Yeah, well, he invented. He 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 was interviewing Miles Davis. Okay. To 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 do a story, and Miles had all these um, monosyllable answers. Yeah. Because <laughs> My, Miles frequently was not a man of many words. I know. For example, Miles used to um, have. These 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 um, um, events where he invites some of his friends over, and he cooked chili, and, and they'd have chili, and so the way Miles would do is he'd call them up and say chili, and hang up the phone, <laughs> and that was it. You knew, okay, there. Yeah, right. You better be there. Be square. You know. You know. Uh... It's funny we, we're now really going down uh, memory lane, but I Alex Haley to me, I'm with you. Uh, that guy was a giant in my mini right. little world. Right. You know, I wanted to be Alex Haley so bad. You know, he was yeah, freelance writer, extraordinaire, playboy, and uh, right. all of them. You know, and, uh, and everybody that I know who spoke of him said he was a nice guy. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Roots. Let's not forget Roots. Right. And so uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X is one of the most important. Oh, yeah. Now, Roots was the one where he took liberties. That's the one where he supposed yeah. to took liberties. Well, it's essentially a novel. I mean, so, yeah, right, you know, right, I don't, right. I'm always going to defend Alex Haley, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. He was yeah. a Republican, by the way. Did you know that? No, but. He started out as, I don't know where he was at the end of his life. Well, you know, there, there's a rumor that King was a, a Republican, too. And I wouldn't be surprised because if you look back on it, back in the 60s, black folks were still making their transition. Absolutely, yeah. Being Republicans to being Democrats. Uh, all right, by the way, speaking of which, have you seen Rustin, the movie Rustin yeah. on Netflix? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really Which, good. Yeah, it's, it's good, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. You know, and uh, I just got to say this, and I know I'm going to irritate some people when we're about to say. First of all, shout out to everybody involved, including Barack and Michelle Obama. They were uh, two of the producers. I urge everybody to check it out. It's um, really well done. Uh, Como Domingo, who plays Rustin, is brilliant. Uh, and uh, it's a great, I think, history lesson about a lot of things combining uh, the co- country's slow uh, awakening on gay rights uh, and uh, its <laughs> slow awakening on uh, black rights. So uh, interesting that the two are joined together. But I had a smile, uh, Monroe, because Barack Obama, you know, he had his own evolution on gay rights. Yes. Uh, first he was for it, uh, or gay marriage, I should say. First he was for it, then he was against it, and then once he was safely reelected in 2012 and could not be defeated, he was for it again. No, uh, it's not. You you simplified it too much. He was against it. Yeah. Joe Biden came out and said he was for it. And he couldn't, it, it presented a problem for him having his vice president forward and he's against it. So that's, that started his evolution. Okay. Well, time out. That was any way you look at it. We've had this argument debate before that yeah. was after he was sex, uh, successfully reelected for uh, 2012 and could not be defeated. Correct. I don't remember the time. Uh- I don't remember. No, seriously, I don't. I'm not. It could have been right around the time. The point is, uh, once it was no longer a, a, for whatever reason, uh, an explosive issue that could uh, unseat him, he was for it. Uh, But let's not forget that when he started out in the 1990s uh, from Hyde Park, he was very much for it. And I have never once thought in a million years, Monroe, I think you'll agree with me, that Barack Obama had any problem with gay marriage ever. Even the whole time he was against it, I think it was just a pose he took because he didn't want to be too far ahead of where he thought the American people are. Were. Do you no, agree I, with me? I, yeah, I agree with you. And, and in fact, I to this day, I still question how much of a Christian he really is. <laughs> I mean, if, if he's if, if it's to his convenient to be a religious man or if um, he's not really... Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, that same general theme right? of of what, uh, pretending you're something that other than you are in order uh, to stay abreast where, where you think the American public are because you don't want to be too far ahead of them. Right. Or too far distance from it is at the core of Rustin. What, there, it's so much about what Rustin's about where, Adam Clayton Powell, man, Jeffrey Wright kills it as Adam Clayton Powell, doesn't he, Monroe? I mean, he's so good. But Adam Clayton Powell is like threatening uh, to expose uh, Rustin's homosexuality. And so King has to separate himself from uh, Rustin, you know. And uh, and then as a result of doing that, Adam Clayton Powell gets a promotion uh, as a congressional uh, committee head. And that's in the movie. Yeah. And uh, I just wonder if, like, Barack Obama smiled at the irony of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, when he looks at his own career uh, and what he did to advance in the Democratic Party and get elected statewide in Illinois and get elected president. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So now I'm not sure he's smiling. I think that he's, his attitude is he, he did what he had to do. <laughs> yeah. 
That's where, that's how you do it. You do this, you do that. It's like I played that one right. <laughs> so when 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 uh, Barack Obama distanced himself from Reverend Wright in two thousand and eight, and I know you remember that. Uh, I, I broke the story. Yeah, I, you I, broke I, which I story that that he was distancing himself? He left the church. Reverend, yeah, he left the church. You're right. Reverend, he left the church. Reverend Wright sent me an email. Because mm-hmm. I was doing I was doing a blog at the time yeah. on my living room. And um I would have these blasts every time I wrote a new um post. Yeah. I had a, I had I had a couple of hundred people or so that I sent it out to. And um Reverend Wright sent me an email. And said, "I'm afraid because I've been protecting, uh, d- defending him mm-hmm. in my blog." And he he sent me an email and he said, "I'm afraid our friend has left the church." Yeah, wow. He didn't name Obama, but yeah, our friend. Right, exactly. And so I wrote an uh, a post saying that that I hoped that Obama wouldn't. Um, that he had left the church, but I wasn't writing it like news or anything. I was giving my opinion. I said, I hope that Obama, uh, he's he's left uh, Trinity, and I hope that he wouldn't throw, when he became president, if he became president, he wouldn't throw people under the the bus like that. Yeah. And um, so I sent that out. And... um, it it, it 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 went out and um, Martin, Roland Martin, was working for CNN at the time, and he was on my blast list. And so he he read it. He 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 called to check to see if it was his sources here, to see if it was real, and he announced it on CNN and gave me credit. Well, good for him. Yeah, and so and my he gave post, you credit. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Credit, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so my post, which normally I would get uh, seven to twenty responses on whatever I wrote. Yeah, I got views uh, that I knew of and responses. I got hundreds. Yeah, it was like wow. That was that was one of the things that made me realize how important the internet was. Yeah. Yep. Because this was, what, 2007, I think. Was it before eight? I think it was. Yeah, wasn't it after yeah. uh, the, the turn yeah. of the year, after the Iowa caucus? I can't remember. Yeah. I, it's yeah. a blur of time. I got to go back and look it up. But I, I do remember very clearly uh, when you broke that story and uh, when uh, Obama distanced himself from Reverend Wright and then he gave the speech in Philadelphia. and uh, The black speech. Yeah, yeah right. uh, the black speech. Yeah. Yeah, right. And now he's making movies about uh, uh, Bayard Rustin. So uh, he's, he's evolved. He's evolved. That's <laughs> an evolution with Barack Obama, man. He's constantly evolving. All right. We have evolved out of time. Uh, and uh, I'll just answer this. Sanford and Son is my favorite uh, Norman uh, Lear show. No question. It's, I watch it. I love it. Red Fox to death. Uh, and uh, then all in the family. Yeah, so, and, I, and I was a Red Fox, because I'm older than you are, I was a Red Fox fan when 
it was dirty records he had, and you, yeah. and, and you didn't listen to them in, in a mixed company, right? And actually, I was a teenager, so I didn't, I had to listen to it from some of my older cousins playing it. And it was older people like you who turned me on to it. All right, like shut yeah. up, I'll play this for you. Just be quiet. Don't tell anybody. And we'll tie everything together. Red Fox is in Malcolm X's autobiography. Uh, when Malcolm X got a job uh, uh, on a train, I think he was a porter or something. Or uh, no, he he worked in a restaurant. Red Fox was cook was washing dishes. Right. He, he was the funniest man. Uh, he ever met. Uh, could you just imagine working in a kitchen, Monroe, and the guy next to you washing dishes with you is Red Fox? I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who was also doing vaudeville. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't paying the bills. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously, that's why he's washing the dishes. Right. Uh, in the seventies, he was one of the highest paid men in show business. Red Fox. So he came a long way. Uh, all right, we have run out of time. Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. Every Wednesday in the Ben Jarofsky Show, the great, the legendary Monroe Anderson, my dear friend. Thank you very much, Monroe. I appreciate it. Uh, and also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky Shows. Get Benny J bonus interviews. Check out columns from Ben Jarofsky. Sign up for the Reader Newsletter all at chicagoreader.com and the best part it's free you don't have to spend a nickel so head to chicagoreader.com find out all that spend some time enjoy yourself peruse and then make sure you follow ben jarofsky on instagram at benny j show and if you would please like and subscribe to the ben jarofsky show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms